welcome to the Christian Education Podcast. My name is Paul Matthews, and it is a real treat to have you along here for the very first full episode. Today, I'm bringing you a discussion I had with the principal of Calvin Christian School, Scott Ambrose. Now, he is an educator that would be well-known in Tasmanian and Australian Christian education circles, and I really wanted to have him on for a very specific reason. There are many of us who have spent our lives uh, pursuing Christian education, working in the Christian education field. There are also many of us who have sent our children to Christian schools and have partnered with a school like that. It can be really easy when you're on the coalface, you're doing it day in, day out, to actually lose a sense of perspective. And the question must arise, when we're talking about Christian education, what are we actually talking about? For those of us who are involved in Christian education as a vocation, as our job, what are we actually doing? What is the purpose of all of this? It's these sorts of questions that I thought Scott would be really fantastic at shedding some light on. So we're going to be operating at a 30,000 foot level on this podcast, looking into some of the big questions. Uh, What is a human being? What is Christian education? You can't get much bigger questions than that. Of course, in subsequent episodes of the podcast, we are going to get into the nitty-gritty. We're going to push the Christian Ed out into some corners. We're going to be thinking about, you know, what does it look like to do good pastoral care with this generation of students? How do we teach quadratic equations or Shakespearean sonnets to the glory of God? What are some repeated habits and practices, liturgies, if you will, that we can look at implementing within our classrooms to accurately fill our time with things that reflect our deeply held beliefs. We will push the Christian education idea into some corners, but I wanted today, in this discussion with Scott, to really address first principles. What are we doing when we are talking about Christian education? What does that mean? What is a human being? It's these sorts of questions that we must get right before we can really go anywhere else. If you get these wrong, then everything else in the equation will be wrong as a result. So I hope that you find this uh, an informative discussion. Know, know that Scott and I have prayed for you before we recorded. We were praying that you would find this uh, an enlivening and enlightening conversation. And we sincerely hope that the cause of Christian education uh, is furthered through the ideas shared today. Well, Scott Ambrose, welcome to the Christian Education Podcast. Thanks, Paul. Great to be with you. Now, you are known to many people in the Tasmanian education scene, uh, but there will be some people listening to this who actually don't know who you are. So I was wondering if we could start with a quick background. Sure. Um, What would you like to know? I'm currently the principal of Calvin Christian School and um, have worked in Christian education for almost 25 years now. And um, I'm the father of five Children of all different ages now. So the oldest has moved out of home. And um, what else would you like to know about me, Paul? Well, that's quite a legacy. <laughs> so you've been in Christian Ed for 25 years. Can you tell us a little bit about what actually drew you into the Christian education as a vocation? Yeah, look, really, I think it's you know the work of God. Because I went through government schools all of my uh, life and really had little exposure to Christian education other than perhaps a few friends who were attending what were at that stage were pretty 
uh, formational Christian schools, uh, as in they were the, in the beginning of their story. And um, so for me, it was stepping into, first of all, a call to education and then discovering that um, there was this incredible way that we could marry that sense of who we were as people of faith uh, with our approach to education. And in a way that you know, I found incredibly transformative as I met uh, Christian educators, as I was introduced to Christian education. And so, look, I would see it that way. It was really the call of God and uh, him working through circumstances to draw me into Christian schools where I'd had no exposure. And um, that included my wife teaching here at Calvin for her first appointment. And so a little bit of that was an exposure to this school and Christian education through this school. Um, but then it was uh, really a, an opportunity to, to work in a space where I could see God was living and active. And uh, there was some learning to happen for me in that process. That's fantastic. Uh, and so that was sort of all the way, it was two and a half decades ago, and of course, you're still here. You're still uh, employed as a Christian educator. You're the principal of Calvin Christian School. And so I'm inferring from that, and I hope this is a good inference, that it's actually been quite a rewarding path for you. The fact that you're, you were called into it. Um, God, God drew you through providence and, and circumstance. Um, but you're still here. So you're finding it quite a rewarding activity. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's been a, a life commitment, not only for me, but for our family, as we've identified that this is what we want for our children as well, for them to be in a place where uh, the faith that they learn about in our home, what they hear about in our church, is going to be uh, reinforced and celebrated in their schools. And that, you know, that tripartite sort of view of it, that, that three-part view of Christian education, I think just has so much power in the lives of our children um, that they are not confronted with a sense of inconsistency or challenge at an age where they're not necessarily well equipped to deal with that or handle that uh, has been transformative for my children who I'm pleased to say are all walking in faith with God and that for me is part of the testimony of Christian education that we as a family can entrust our children into that. For me, I guess more personally, you know, it was a, it was a very clear decision that God called me to make. Uh, you know, I had an offer for a, a full-time permanent position, which was very rare at that stage in the education department, straight out. And so it was a very clear choice, you know, which way am I going to go and where am I going to commit my life and my work? And uh, it has been hard at times, of course, you know, working in schools is challenging, but that commitment to God and to the things I see around me working in community is such an incredible thing. Absolutely. And I'm really glad you mentioned inconsistency uh, from the bat, uh, off the bat, because it's one of the great, if you will, one of the great heresies of our age, I think, is a sense of dualism. And if you read anything in Christian education from the last 40 years, but it may be especially 15 years ago and earlier, you'll see a lot of the people who are speaking into the Christian education space in Australia hated this idea of, of dualism, where you had your, uh, the sacred part of your life, the faith-filled part of your life, and that might have been your dinner table conversations and your Sunday mornings and your Bible studies. Um, and then you had the secular part of your life, which education for many Christians would fall under, where they say it, it was almost like going to mechanic. What, what does it matter if my mechanic is a Muslim? My car is going to work just fine at the end of it. Uh, 
And these authors rightly were pushing back on that and saying, actually, uh, education falls under the list of things that Jesus is Lord over. Uh, you would have come across the Abraham Kuyper quote. There's not a single square inch over which Christ, the risen Lord, does not say mine. And, and Christ is on the throne right now. Uh, he ascended there 2,000 years ago. And he looks on education and he said, actually, that belongs to me. Um, and so I think not only do we set our children up uh, for a very confusing time when we split part of their life off and allow it to be sort of not spoken into by Christians, but I, I think in some senses we don't fully appreciate the lordship of Christ over those areas. And that's one of the most refreshing parts about being at Calvin. As a Christian, I know that Christ is Lord over everything. But here it's fully acknowledged and it's integrated into everything we do. And that's something that I think if, if you miss, you can start creating categories in the mind of your child which are unhelpful, which won't set them up well for life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It really is that sense of dualism. I've got Abraham Kuyper's quote on my desk there that <laughs> you've just recorded as well. But, um, you know, for me, I feel as though for many of us, we're part of a generation that grew up perhaps at a time when faith was more openly shared in our community. And for me, that included at school. You know, I had, uh, a local minister would come in every week and would be sharing about the Christian faith. Uh, my, I can remember my infant teachers sitting us down and we would say grace before we went out to lunch. Um, that's not there anymore. The, the difference is starker. And um, there are spaces in our community uh, where Faith and faith conversations are not welcome anymore. And um, so there, there are push and pull factors into Christian education. The pull is the one we celebrate, you know, that sense that we can be in a place where, where God's sovereignty is acknowledged, where we can openly speak to our children about the things that really matter, you know, the things that speak to that sense of who am I and what is the meaning of my existence. And these are things that people have grappled with for time immemorial and to suddenly remove that sense of the spiritual from that space is artificial and you're right we end up in that situation where we get a dualistic view of our faith that this is something we do and celebrate on Sunday and that does our children a complete disservice that uh, that lack of understanding of the enormity of our God and his interest in all aspects of our life and desire to be involved in all aspects and to touch that. And I think you know, as a culture, we have uh, many of the elements as a society, many of the elements of Christian faith celebrated through our institutions in the past that are reflected in some of the things we still see today. Um, how long that remains is a question and a challenge, I think, for our young people as they inherit that, but as they seek to make that a lived reality in terms of their understanding of God. Absolutely. Uh, I'm reminded of a quote by G.K. Chesterton who said that education is nothing less than the soul of a civilization as it passes from one generation to another. And of course, it follows from that if you wish to impact the civilization, you impact the schools. Um, and connected to that thought, I think, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about government schools. Um, only to say there are many people like you who have had a fantastic experience through a, a government school where Christianity was uh, 
was openly welcomed. It wasn't forced on anyone, but it was fostered and nurtured. Um, there's a failure to appreciate in many circles today that those schools are gone. They actually don't exist anymore. Um, even, even people my age, uh, so I, I'm, I'm in my 30s, uh, who are considering sending their children to government schools. Uh, there's, I think, a failure to appreciate what exactly has taken place. Though, those schools don't exist. Those, uh, the friendliness, the warmth towards Christianity um, has receded into the background it's, and it's been replaced by um, a, quite a coldness. And that's lamentable, but it's just, we have to play it as it lies. And those really friendly, welcoming government schools. Um, reports from my colleagues who teach there, who are Christians, say that we don't share the same freedoms that we would have maybe 30, 40 years ago to openly discuss our faith. Yeah, and look, I'm not seeing it from the inside out in terms of government education, but, uh, you know, and they do many wonderful things. And as you've pointed out, there are many wonderful educators there. Um, we uh, are interested in that fullness of expression of life, that holistic sense, which includes the spiritual. And I find it interesting, you know, as a principal of a Christian school, that we have um, people of different faiths who are coming to us as well. Uh, and I have had uh, practicing Muslims who said, we just, we understand that you're going to be teaching the Christian faith, that my children are only going to hear about and learn about the Christian faith, but they said, we are just uh, appreciative that we have the opportunity to be in an environment where faith is valued. And, um, you know, to hear um, people from a different background expressing that value for Christian faith and faith generally tells me that there's something significant about what we're doing that has an impact even beyond, you know, perhaps our small community. And we've got to be very aware of that. Absolutely. Now, I think it's, it's worth discussing here, and we're going to plumb the depths here, Scott. We're going to, we're going to go quite deep. Hopefully, towards the end of this, we'll get quite um, practical. But I wonder if you've spent much time thinking about, when, when we talk about education, what are we actually talking about? So uh, there, are, there are many different philosophies of education. That's some of the things that pre-service teachers will study at university. Like, what are we actually doing here when we're talking about education? Ha have you given much thought to that over your years as an educator? Yeah, no, look, it's particularly, again, you know, my experience is in Christian schools and Christian education, and that's where my heart lies. So for me, uh, education is that fullness of the development of a child, that, um, that call to them from a young age that says, you're significant, we're interested in you, this is the way we want to see you grow and develop. That Ephesians 4 sense that we want the child to, to grow into that fullness of knowledge, that we want them to be um, relating to their creator in a way that they can celebrate the fullness of what he has put into them, their gifts and talents. And so for me, education is very much, again, centered on faith, that it's about that training of the child, but that training is a holistic training that covers uh, you know, not just the, the academic, not just the physical, but has that sense that they are spiritual beings and we need to speak to that spiritual being as well. That's fantastic. And once you're dealing with the philosophy of education, you really can't steer away from anthropology, what, what are human beings? Because there's a certain philosophy of education out there which is like trying to stuff 
a sleeping bag into a sack. You've just got these facts and these data and you've, you've got the child and you're just trying to get the facts and data in there as quickly as you can and as effectively as possible. And I guess success in that endeavor would look like someone who's received a lot of really useful facts and data and they can go off and become a doctor or an engineer or a really good builder or one of these sorts of things. But of course, the witness of scripture is that we're not just, as, as James K.A. Smith would say, an author in this area, we're not just brains on sticks. We're not entirely cerebral. There are actually other faculties over which Christ is Lord, in which we need to educate the children uh, and the students. This is where you will often hear of the threefold division of the head and the heart and the hand. So you, you have the head, that's the, that's the facts, the, do, the data, the knowledge. You've got the heart. The, the, it's actually the loves of the student need to be trained and discipled and rightly ordered. We want students to leave not only knowing things, but loving the right things as well. And then, of course, we want them to, to be able to put that into practice. We want them to do things with that, um, that, that show that they love God and they love others. So once we're, yeah, once we're dealing with education, we're dealing with, first of all, what exactly is a human being? And if we just aim at the head, we're actually going to, we're going to deprive students of really a holistic training, as you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. and it, look, you know, central to our understanding of uh, training up of our, our young people is that sense of discipleship. You've mentioned that word there that, uh, you know, there, there is a purpose to what we're doing and there, there's a process there as well. And that is really bringing them in back to that you know, definition of Christian education, bringing them to the knowledge of the fullness of God. Um, and that is, you know, getting back to your point there in terms of how we understand ourselves and uh, our creation and us as creations, that we are creations of God. And um, as we understand that as Christian educators, that brings also a call on us to uh, develop and release those gifts that God's placed in our children. And uh, the heart becomes much more for us about that sense of training up, of discipleship, of nurturing that in our young people. And that can only be fully understood in relationship with God. And so I would often talk to our families about that sense of relationship. There is a relationship at the core of all that we do, and that's primarily a relationship with God, um, you know, redeemed through Jesus Christ, which brings understanding to all of our other relationships. And we want for each of our children to have you know, that powerful understanding, that powerful direct relationship that will inform their decisions, which will impact in turn our culture here in a, an incredible way that perhaps we would, don't understand the fullness of, but it can have that incredible transformative effect. Mm. Look, culture is a, a really interesting issue to dive into, Scott, because um, etymologically, if you understand, uh, the word culture comes from the Latin cultus, which actually means to worship. Um, the way that our culture uh, works its way out is actually a reflection of our deeper priorities. The, the sort of $10 word you might say is uh, our culture is the instantiation. It's, it's the abstract made concrete. It's the inst instantiation of our religious views about the world. And this is where we get back to an understanding that actually every school will have a culture. Every school will have a set of deeply held principles that will be worked out 
um, in the way people think and act and behave in the, in the norms and the unspoken rules. Um, and so, and that's, that's where we need to understand if you send your kid to a Christian school, yes, there will be certain uh, faith-based assumptions. They're not argued for, they're argued from. We might call them presuppositions. Um, and they'll be Christian. We're very open about that. And that's something I'm really grateful in your leadership of this school. You're very, very clear with incoming families. We're a Christian school. We will be teaching Christianity and all things through that lens. But of course, the flip side is if you go to any other school, regardless of an open faith commitment or not, they will have those same, not argued for, but argued from philosophical, moral principles. Mm. Yeah, and look, you know, the academic literature talks about culture as that sense of shared beliefs and perceptions. And you've talked about the written and unwritten rules by which that community operates. And that is inherent in every community. There is that element. There are those beliefs, those perceptions, those uh, unwritten and written at times, understandings that are there. And so me being explicit with a family to say, this is who we are. This is what your child will experience as part of what I would describe as a, a lived Christian faith. We don't want them to see anything, something formulaic, um, you know, the sense that this is just what we do at this time, but a living and active faith which represents our relationship with our God well. When I have that conversation with a family, I'm being explicit about what our culture is. And, uh, you know, if we get back to another foundation stone or pillar, if you like, of our uh, organization of Christian schools, it's that sense that the parent is the primary uh, individual couple responsible for the education of their children. And it's right that they know what will be happening in our school environment so that they can make that informed decision that, yes, this is something I want for my child. And it's interesting for me that we have families, again, who come from a range of different backgrounds, some with very little exposure to Christian faith and they observe our culture in, in different ways. And so I have had some interesting comments that uh, identify that this is a place where my child feels relaxed, it feels safe. Um, and then we get a chance to inquire, why is that? You know, why is your child seeing, experiencing that? Why are they feeling that sense of care and concern from their teacher in a way that's speaking to their heart? And uh, we have to describe that in terms of our culture influenced by our Christian faith. Absolutely. And that idea that you mentioned of the parents bearing the responsibility to educate the child, that, that is a base coat over which everything else is laid here within um, Christian education national schools. So that's, that's the body of schools we're a part of. It actually started here at, at Calvin Christian School 60 odd years ago. And I think they, those, those believers who wanted to create a, a school that best reflected biblical practice, um, big passages for them were, for example, Deuteronomy 6. And that's where you've got a very famous passage where, where uh, God is saying, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. Um, and he commands them, he says, these words um, today that I give you, they shall be on your heart. People don't realise that very famous passage of scripture is actually given in the context of education. It's actually an educational passage because he goes on to say in Deuteronomy 6, you shall teach them diligently to your children. And you should talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. 
So what, what God is saying there is that uh, parents, it's your job to educate your children uh, in the ways of the Lord and in so, in so doing, in, in the sort of God and his world, that's where you're, you're educating your children about God and his world. And there actually shouldn't be a moment in the day where that's not taking place. That there, should, there shouldn't be a chasm where we go, okay, God's, God is not being discussed here. God's not relevant here. And that's, again, one of the beautiful things about Christian education is that in this day and age, uh, there are many parents who don't have the capacity to assume the full-time responsibility for educating their children. But we can actually, that they can partner with us as a school. Um, and in so doing, we're not, they're not giving us the responsibility um, to educate their children. We're actually partnering with them in their responsibility to help them educate their children. Absolutely, and um, that is where the strength lies, that we're, we're not seeking to take their children away from them and train them in a way that has not been made explicit to those parents. That, um, you know, they're full partners in that sense. And so our communication, our connection with parents is central to that. And we come with that, you know, common understanding that education, that training up of the child is a process that we can see and understand um, that, you know, for our living Christ, the model of our, our faith, the model of God that we can see, uh, you know, for him, there, were, there was a process of development. Luke 2.52 talks about, you know, and he grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. And there, if you like, getting back to our early conversations, a, a beautiful picture of holistic education in practice, uh, that Jesus Christ, our model, um, was being trained up and his parents were a big part of that. Um, but here he is, you know, seeking out uh, wisdom in the temple with the scholars. And that's a little bit about what we're doing too, I think, that, you know, the parents are training these young people up. They're meeting us here for a portion of their education. And we desire, we want that consistency of faith expression at home and school. And that's when I think children can really be empowered to uh, grasp hold of those things that are placed in front of them and to grow with a sense of strength and security. And that is the beauty, I think, of working with parents that we can build that for them. Um, and as families have need, we can support one another in the way that a true community of faith does as well. Absolutely. Now, it's interesting because not only, I think, does the Bible bear witness to the fact that parents are the sort of executors or the overseers of their children's education, that it's their responsibility, but in, in practice, there is nothing so important as getting a parent on side. I remember in earlier in my career, I was really butting heads with a student and we just have these same stubborn problems. And I eventually, I'd taken way too long, Scott, but I eventually phoned the parent and the parent was very receptive and they wanted to actively partner with me in, in getting through this issue. And lo and behold, um, after, after two months of having this frustration, a day after calling the parent, the situation was seemingly resolved. When, when school and parent are partnering together, that really is a potent mixture when it comes to student formation. Yes. Now, we've been, we've been operating here very much at the 30,000 foot level, and I, I love that, and I know you love that too, Scott. Uh, as we seek to draw out some practical implications, I want to touch on the work of, of John Hattie, who... Um, uh, is popular through his work uh, of visible learning. What 
he says, one of his key claims, is that students could learn any number of 100 different things in your classroom in a given lesson. They're, they're, you, you can't turn the learning off. They're not just learning what you would, in your mind, really hope that they learn. They, they learn all kinds of things. So what we need to do to help those students attain what we want them to attain, we need to let them know what they're meant to be learning. And every teacher out there will understand uh, and will have heard of the learning intention and success criteria, which for those of you who aren't educators basically means we're showing the student, here is the thing I want you to learn. Again, you could learn other things, and that's fine, but if you learn other things but not this thing, we actually haven't had a good lesson. Right? So what do we want you to learn? That's the learning intention. The success criteria is how do I know that I've learned that? So what am I meant to be learning and how do I know that I've learned that? And that's really good, I found in my own practice, that's led to really effective lessons. People know that they've had a successful time. And that, that clarity is key. My question here is, we've just taken these really exciting, heady, big ideas. They do have to get back to the student at some level. Um, how do we go about giving students a sort of learning intention and success criteria, not just for their maths or their history or their food tech, how do we give them the learning intention and success criteria for their whole Christian education? Yeah, and look, uh, part of what I like about Hattie's comment there is is recognising, I think, that um, children are going to learn, they're going to be taught, uh, you know, the explicit things that we want them to learn. Um, they're the things that we're presenting in front of the class, but there's also that implicit level of growth and understanding. And, and that's, I think, where Christian education is actually a, a very strong advocate, a very real, has a very realistic view, if you like, that if we're not putting Christian educators in front of our children, what implicit messages are they learning? What implicit messages are going to be shared about our faith as well? So that's you know, level one, is that we are consistent as educators in terms of what we're communicating about faith and having Christian educators who are connected with church communities who are growing in their faith is foundational to that. Secondly, I think it's so important that we teach our children explicitly about the Christian faith. And Paul, we've been on a bit of a journey this year in terms of reintroducing an explicit Christian studies program to our secondary students with that idea that if we don't lay the foundations for conversations of faith and a shared understanding of faith, we're doing our children a disservice. Um, and then thirdly, within our classes, as we started with that Abraham Kuyper quote that sense that you know, every square inch is uh, influenced by God, he has that interest in every aspect of life, that we need to be planning our curriculum from that sense that God has something to say in this space. What is it, God, that you want me to share explicitly that is relevant to this topic or this information that is going to guide the students back again to that core question of, you know, who am I? Who am I in relationship with God and how do I live that out actively? Uh, and there are various tools to do that with, of course, but unless you're being explicit in your preparation for a class, you've talked about the learning intentions and success criteria, unless you've set up that sense that we are learning about Christian faith and that's going to happen both as we explore our history, our maths, our science, um, but also at the heart of what we're doing, it's relationship, but it's intentional. It's that intentional expression of 
what do we need to know about God that's going to be revealed through this aspect of our studies. And when that works together well, when people do that well, we end up with, again, an incredibly transformative opportunity for God to work in the lives of our children. Absolutely, yes. So there's a sense there in which we need to have um, our Christian worldview integrated into mm. our lessons. Mm. And that's yeah. not something that would take many Christian educators by surprise or mm. many Christian parents mm. by surprise. When it comes to matters of execution, that can be difficult. Yeah. Often there are gurus yeah. out there mm. who have spent a lot of time and effort on that. Mm. And it's really exciting to see what they've done. And when you're watching them present, oh, this is how I integrated into my German. For example, for example there's a fellow in, in um, the Christian education space called Dr. David Smith. And he was uh, a, a, a teacher in German, in second languages. And he did a fantastic job. And it's so inspiring. Of course, it, you then do have to go home and roll up your own sleeves and uh, do it yourself. It's easy to do that in a superficial way. Yes. You know, we're, we're doing math today. So, you know, if Noah moved three zebras onto the ark or, you know, whatever. And I find that students probably find that not as compelling. That's, that's not a well-integrated way of just showing the intersection between faith and learning. One of the key verses that I go back to with my students, so I'm personally, I'm a history teacher. I go back to this a lot. Uh, it's Proverbs 25 verse 2. Um, now, that's not actually a verse about history. Or geography um, but it's something deeper than that it's actually a verse about inquiry in Proverbs 25 2 it says it's the glory of God to conceal things but the glory of kings to search things out that's a verse I've shared on this podcast before but it shows us there that God in his wisdom has actually um, suffused this world with all kinds of great mysteries he hasn't made things equally and abundantly plain um, He's actually, God is calling us as his creation to walk this royal journey of education, to in some ways be kings and queens, um, to be taken up with these exciting matters of inquiry. And when we're, when we're learning, and I say this to the students, when we're, when we're studying history, when we're studying geography or um, uh, business studies or any of these sorts of things, when we're, when we're seeking to add to our knowledge and find out more about this subject, we're actually pulling out what God has invested in. Mm, mm, and that's, that's, right. that's a way of framing the inquiry process for students yeah. uh, that's directly a part of their Christian faith, mm. not something that's sort of competing with or unrelated yeah. to the Christian yeah. faith. Yeah. That's right. And look, the key is authenticity in this as well, that um, we're not just pulling out proof texts that are disconnected from what's happening in the classroom. We have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in the terms of, you know, what's the right moment for this? Where is the right connection? Um, because our students will sniff out, you know, lack of authenticity a hundred miles away. And um, for them to see an authentically Christian expression of faith that makes sense of our history, our maths, our science, our, our languages, of you, as you've mentioned, um, it, again, is an incredibly powerful thing. But as teachers, we've got to be wary of that trap of doing that inauthentically. You know, Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We really want our educators to be so grounded in their faith, to be thinking about their curriculum area with that perspective of Christian faith, that that 
conversation, if you like, as a natural one. And um, that is something that I love to see taking place in our classes. It sounds like you've been involved in some of those conversations yourself, Paul, but um, we, we can't, we end up feeding into that sense of dualism if we don't make authentic links, if our links are you know, tenuous or you know, the students can sense they're there because we're trying to tick a box. It really has to be that heartfelt response. Absolutely. And it can get very, very dangerous when we are just box ticking because mm. I think, you, as you said, Scott, students are picking up all kinds of things, uh, things that we are consciously imparting to them and perhaps mm. things that we're on, uh, unconsciously imparting to them. And this is where Jesus in, in Luke 6 says that um, no disciple is above his teacher, but everyone when he's fully trained will be like his teacher. And that's something that actually weighs on me quite a lot because what do, I want? what do I want for these students? Do I want them to be people who practice the Christian faith um, as a box ticking exercise? Uh, absolutely not. That's the last thing I want. I want them to love the Lord and to be able to love, love him in every aspect of their lives. Um, and so I need to be doing that because, because actually the, there's in some ways, um, uh, well, in, in I guess almost every way, there's an element of modeling which takes place it, it doesn't stop. You don't part the child's hair and flick the learning switch off at the top. It, it doesn't stop. And the disciple, when fully trained, will be like his teacher, his master. So that's where um, that should weigh on us, I think. We've actually got a very difficult job as Christian educators. Often, a lot of my friends are pastors. And I spent some time in that space myself before becoming uh, a teacher. And I always joke with them, they've got it so easy. They have got it so easy because... Um, it's their job to open the Word of God and to teach it and apply it. And that's, and that's I'm so grateful for people who give up their lives um, and, and make the sacrifice of full-time ministry. We desperately need people. We probably need more people to consider doing that. And I hope many of our students here at Calvin decide to go down that pathway. But of course, as a teacher, my job is not simply, we can't say, okay, we're opening up Job and for the next four weeks, we're going to go through Job. Or we're going to teach through Deuteronomy or the Gospel of Matthew. We actually, we, we have to go one step further. Our knowledge has to be slightly more integrated because I'm actually starting with a subject, mathematics or history. And then, and then looking at that and going, how do I understand this in light of the Lordship of Jesus Christ? In, in, in light of his kingship over everything. So we don't have the... I would, I would sort of tease my friends. We don't have the ease of simply opening up the word and preaching and applying it. We have to go one step further. I've, we've got to say, how does, how does God's revealed world, word to us um, shape the way we think about and teach um, World War I, the Battle of the Psalms? You know, how, how does it change the way and impact the way I would teach Romeo and Juliet to my grade nine class? It's one step of integration further. And so really as Christian educators, we need to be on the ball when it comes to our knowledge of scripture, mm. our knowledge of the historical conversation that's been happening around the scriptures mm. for the last 2000 years yeah. and how that intersects with our discipline. Mm. And look, we need to be easy on ourselves as well in the sense that we're imperfect vessels. We're, you know, we're imperfect people trying to do this job well. Um, but the heart matters, you know, the heart that you come at it with 
and uh, for an educator to step into any classroom in any school and to do that with a sense that I've got a responsibility here and I'm going to do it to my utmost and we would say you know to our utmost to our creator um, the one who's called us there and placed us in that position is such an incredible opportunity uh, and such an incredible blessing as an educator as it is for a pastor to open up the word in a way that has meaning and application for our young people. It's an exciting thing, Paul, and uh, you know that's what I enjoy about being a Christian educator was that unfolding vision of what was possible through Christian education that I love, that I continue to be a part of, and um, love chatting with you about as well. Absolutely. Well, Scott, it's been uh, fantastic to have a discussion around these matters. I hope that these discussions have been beneficial. Of course, we, we prayed for those who would be listening to the podcast before we started. We prayed that uh, it would be beneficial to them and that, and that this conversation would um, further the cause of, of Christian education. And of course, we, we worship a, a prayer answering God. And of where we are right now, um, sit, sitting in the, the principal's office at Calvin Christian School, we could look around us, we could look further afield, we could look nationally at Christian education and we'd see nothing but uh, wonderful answers to prayer from a sovereign God. And of course, this, the sovereignty of God is, uh, as Spurgeon said, it's the pillow on which we lay our head in, in hardships. And as, as an educator, I'm often reminded of my own insufficiencies. And one of the key ideas I like to come back to is God can even draw a straight line with a crooked stick. So sometimes, although we've got this big lofty goal of uh, teaching all of life through a Christian worldview, compellingly educating the child, drawing them into the fullness of knowledge. Sometimes we walk out and we go, I, I, um, I didn't do that well, that lesson. And, and by God's grace, he's sovereign. He draws straight lines with, with crooked sticks like myself and, um, and furthers the cause of Christian education um, um, for us and sometimes even in our, in our, in our worst moments, um, despite us. This is something that God loves. Christian education is something that God yeah. loves. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks all. Well, thank you, Scott. Mm. I, I, uh, I pray that God blesses you in your, in your uh, leadership at, at Calvin and throughout um, Christian education more broadly. And I look forward to, of course, many discussions in the future. Great. Thanks, Paul. It's uh, been a pleasure. <laughs>